0: Welcome to Yes, PHX Presents, a crowdsourced, community-based podcast for, by, and about entrepreneurs and startups in the greater Phoenix area. We're recording this live today at the Armory, located in the Arizona Center in downtown Phoenix. I'm Vincent Orlek, president of Social Media Club Phoenix, and your host for this episode. I'm accompanied by our amazing producer, the founder of Zcast and all-around podcast resource, Mr. Raz Yalov. Our special guest today, we've got Mike Alonzo, VP of Product at a little company called AMPSI. That's right. That's right. In the Phoenix area, (laughs) and Paige Susie, Community Director at AMPSI. Welcome, you guys. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: What's going on?
2: Nothing. Just getting super, (laughs) super stoked on uh, sharing this AMPSI message
0: and seeing what Paige comes up with because I'm sure it'll be hilarious. Oh, of course. Of course. (laughs) So I I was a little familiar with with Ampsi. I've had some conversations actually with with you Paige, about it mm-hmm. and um, if you if you can just maybe give the the 30 seconds to a minute description of what Ampsi does. Yeah, absolutely. So Ampsi
2: is a hyper local social listening tool that has uh, advanced engagement and analytics functionality. So what we specifically do is isolate Physical areas, whether it's on the venue level, city level, couple blocks, uh, we can get very granular with it. And we source publicly shared social content, um, specifically for marketing analytics and engagement, and then long-term activation, conversion, tracking, um, just for a more AI-powered um, messaging platform.
0: Cool, cool. Who, who would use AMC? So we
2: specifically work right now with enterprise level. Um, Since Hyperlocal has been our lead uh, for the last two years, a lot of our background is specifically related towards live events, um, concerts, festivals, and also professional sports, and then also with other large brands that leverage events as part of their marketing. So as an example, uh, we've worked with Linkin Park and Matchbox 20, ACDC, KISS um, on the music side, And then on the professional sports side, we work heavily with the Washington, D.C. kind of family of um, sports. So the Wizards, the Caps, the Mystics, some of their other, they they also own the arena, the group that we specifically are working with. Um, So they're very much a sports team. We have worked with the Phoenix Suns in the past. Um, And then from kind of large events, more along the lines of like the Super Bowl. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a little event they have annually, uh, along with um, uh, Red Bull. So we've worked with them on their Flutog events multiple times, as well as a, a smaller but still really engaging um, program called uh, Culture Clash. So that's about the, that's the type of uh, user. You know, AI-powered marketing is still really new, and it's hard for a lot of uh, today's marketers or traditional marketers to really all understand its potential and the value of it, but don't really know how to harness it. Um, so we've really spent a lot of time in these early couple years educating and uh, just trying to push beyond what's traditional
0: yeah I, and I to your point I, I think I think uh, being a, a social media marketer on my end and I follow a lot with what goes around the industry and I think the traditional marketer thinks a Facebook chatbot is AI, you know, like that's, that's the, oh, here's how I can use AI in my, my job. Um, but there's, yeah, there's so much more. Yeah. A lot of the people we work
2: with actually just assume the listening part is AI and then they're curious, how can they spam what they found? Right. And we're like, you can't (laughs) because A, no one wants it. B, it's illegal, you know, and C, there's so much more potential, um, around a person because the truth is people want to be marketed to. Everyone wants it. they want cool things. They just don't want to be marketed about stuff they don't care about. Mm-hmm. and that's really where we're trying to make a dent in, in the world
0: and you know deliver better marketing with value. It feels like the the hip thing right now, of course with with Facebook's the, the data the, the, which actually Facebook didn't technically. Do anything wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, we won't go there, but uh, the, oh, we can go there. I, <laughs> I mean, we know, can. All the but way it's, just, it's just funny. It's yeah, affected I, us it's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Well, you know what? So, how, how has that affected you? With so Facebook, this whole data breach, a, alleged data breach. It wasn't really a data breach. It was Cambridge Analytica, which is now shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of giving in to what's going on around them. Yeah, by, they by ex- they exploited down. a system. Yeah.
2: Cambridge Analytica did. Yeah, specifically Cambridge Analytica exploited a system. And I mean, what else is Facebook going to do but respond to that? Mm -hmm. And their response has been pretty swift, right? They greatly, and this is across the board. It's not like it affects the small guy, the big guy. It affects everybody. Um, And I'm sure it hurt Facebook to make that decision because the secondary market is a big deal from a revenue standpoint from them. But, you know, essentially what they've done is they cut, greatly reduce the amount of calls you can get on an hourly basis from like 1,500 to 200. So it it's greatly delaying the amount of feedback you get. Right. And then secondarily, they're cutting off a lot of the key um, information about mm-hmm. the user, uh, specifically name, um, follower counts, followers and following their bio information. Like a lot of the publicly- Legitimate um, information about a person is no longer accessible. Oh, you can also not contact these people via third party apps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm uh, uh, you know, not the largest component, but certainly a component of AMSI sure. absolutely was the engage component. So now we just, like everyone else, have to figure out a way to communicate with them. Right. So we're not beholden to Facebook and their family. You know, we actually access information from other uh, sources. Um, But the truth is, Facebook is the giant. So although we still source from Twitter and YouTube and some of the other ones, Instagram rules rules. Uh, publicly shared social content. Facebook and Snapchat never allowed it. I mean, they, they may have historically, but not for a long time right. have they allowed that information. It's, it's kind of an Instagram thing. So what we typically see, especially in live events and stuff that's really fun or cool to be a part of, Instagram is always the leader in the platform that we're sourcing from. But on its head, if it's educational or conference-driven or political, then Twitter is the ultimate leader in that, right? Cause that's just the different yep. worlds that each one of those platforms. And right now, Twitter had a similar thing a while back. They pulled the plug and they've slowly let it back in. Um, our expectation is that Facebook will do the same thing over time. Um, but we can't be uh, reliant on Facebook and what they want to do on their whim. So we continue to look beyond that as a sourcing tool to identify people and um, help segment them in a more appropriate fashion
0: sure man yeah I, so up until what a, a month or two ago this wasn't even this wasn't a factor Nope. nothing it's yeah. <laughs> none of this was happening really I mean it, it happened in the past but it wasn't like what it is now yeah uh-huh. so as as a small startup how do you how do you get everything together to react you know, is it is it just, is it an advantage being a small company because you, you're nimble, you can do all that, right? You're not a big, huge
2: bureaucracy. Total advantage. I mean, literally the day it happened, the official day it happened, yep. those canned emails are flying out from Hootsuite or yeah. oh, Social yeah. or yep. whatever. They're like, look, we think this is a great thing, but things are changing. Um, for us, because we've worked at the enterprise level and not the consumer level, we have a whole lot less um, expectations to mitigate and manage, and then ultimately adapt. So obviously when that happened, it became a top priority for us to reassess. And it actually turned out to be a really good thing um, because historically, much like everyone else, we put a lot of importance on the idea of reach. But as time continues to go on, as influencer marketing continues to evolve, it's quickly becoming clear that reach isn't as valuable as maybe it originally was thought to be. Um, nearly as much as engagement and the super influencer is not nearly as powerful as the micro influencer. Absolutely. Just because they may not only have a reach of five to 10,000, but their engagement is exponentially more. You know, a great example of that is actually my wife. She has a children's clothing line and she's completely built that um, company on the back of micro influencers, specifically mommies. And not only do they engage at a higher level than typical, but they're ferociously um, protective mm-hmm. of their brands. And if somebody comes out of the woodwork and says something that is in contradiction to their beliefs of the brand, they attack, they
0: pounce. Um, and their audiences are super passionate. Oh, they're very about passionate. Them and the and the industry or whatever the topic is. Yeah, problem. absolutely. So um,
2: it's it was a... It was painful to get because we knew what it meant to the platform that we literally just launched. We launched a brand new 3.0 that we built some cool stuff in that was completely rendered unusable. Well, unusable for Instagram. We Mm -hmm. can still use the tech we built for Twitter, which again, only limits to the type of vertical we can tap into. So we've made some pivots and added some um, additions and changes, which I think is ultimately going to be for the better because everyone else has to do the same thing. Right. And, that, and still keeps it viable. Yeah. 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 Absolutely viable. Because again, engagement is just the beginning of our long term vision, right? We're looking to, we're not looking to change marketing. Marketing is marketing. Um, what we know to be true is that technology evolves and consumers are evolving as well. So we're just trying to layer in context to, right. about the person to be able to facilitate um, platform progress in each of those verticals or each of those channels.
0: And so as Paige, as community director, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: let's keep going down this road a little bit because I think it's interesting. How did that, or did that affect what you do on a daily basis or in the bigger scheme of things with, with this whole shift in, in direction or um, just this big change, this, on on the fly, <laughs> yeah. like what what happened in your in your situation with yeah. dealing with the I community? think
1: I well yeah, fortunately we're small enough and we're just sort of starting to build out that sort of outward facing component that we're able to adjust and sort of start anew, if you will. Right. Um, and so you know, being sort of new with AMC and over the last few months, I've sort of seen mm-hmm. the transition of the product. And uh, fortunately, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't see just within the product itself. Um, that's been really cool to learn and sort of be able to write about and sort of see how those things have changed with the industry and some of our clients. So, I mean, it's, it's nice because it's sort of a, a blank slate that we can we can work with right now.
2: Although there is one thing that happened to you just last <laughs> week. Oh, cool story? That, well, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's a cool story or not. <laughs> But you know, the, story time—the evolution mm-hmm. of engagement can no longer happen in the platform. Yeah, that means you're going to have to go direct through the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were recently doing a experiment, mm-hmm. um, and what used to be seconds of effort has now transitioned into yes. manually uh- <laughs> yeah. and, and let's just say Paige may have pouted a bit or two <laughs> with uh, some of the requests well, I had of her pain
0: points maybe you know? she can talk yes. through how she felt when growing asked her to do that.
2: yeah no
1: it uh I mean it's 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 manual now um when I first came on we were able to do all the interaction uh through the actual platform so now it was like copy pasting usernames into the and to like Instagram and then having switched back and forth. And so it's definitely adding a lot of time to the whole process of engagement. Yeah. Um, and this is actually on a campaign that we're working on for one of our clients. So uh, being able to test some different concepts and theories with the change after the whole Cambridge situation was interesting because we did still see some success in the efforts we were doing. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that it had to be manual. So sort of a few steps back and then, you know, a couple steps forward with, you know, sort of our approach to working with some of our clients and focusing on more of the conversion, which is what I think Mike was sort of leading to, as opposed to just, you know, sourcing the information and sort of getting that reach. We're doing, we're being more intentional about those
2: engagements. Yeah. Cause the truth is it's not hard to source public content, mm-hmm. right? There's a million different ways to do it. You know, the big question with marketers, um, uh, what what is next? Now what do I do? What's other people doing? Um, if I can't spam them, then what is the value of this, right? If I can't send a mass email, then why am I doing this at all? But, you know, it's one of those things everyone knows they need to do something about it, but they don't know what to do. And there's a million experts that'll tell you very vague things that you could do. Oh, yeah, go to any conference. And, uh, you know?
1: Uh, isn't that the truth?
2: You know, that's certainly probably a little true. Uh, <laughs> to a point. Not certainly, every probably. You know, <laughs> certainly probably. Certainly uh, probably. But the no one knows. There's no right answer. W- again, we know that the consumer is changing. We know that they want to be marketed to. And we know that there's an abundance of technology available to do it. Right. Um, so, again, we just want to try and solve that problem and make it as clear as possible. Um, and not just for them, but for ourselves. Because, you know, we're still very entrepreneurial within the company Mm -hmm. and we spin off our own ideas all the time just for fun, just to build engines. I mean, one example of that is uh, we're recently or officially kicking off what uh, it's called Crowd411 and it's going to be part of a 411 suite where built on the API of AMSI, we're sourcing publicly shared content at professional sporting events and then uh, displaying analytics so that type of thing is really interesting for um, you know ES, professional sports outlets that are looking for information to um, work with the content they're already sharing. So the ESPNs and the Fox Sports and professional sporting teams, like content is king and data is a huge driver in that because it's a great bit of small consumable content, right? So we're slowly building this out. It's completely automated. Uh, we're leveraging the SeatGeek API to source the events, cool. and then we've built our own tech to automatically read that API, create the geofences, and then start sourcing automatically year-round. Um, so we're just collecting all sorts of data. And on the back of that, that's where we're testing ideas around mm-hmm. conversion specifically for varying uh, professional sporting teams. Mm-hmm. You know, And the, what makes this test interesting is that crowd 411 is unknown right it's it still has very minimal social presence and for all intents and purposes it looks like a spam account uh-huh. and so it's a huge experiment a hypothesis basically our hypothesis is that we're able to take a platform that does is unknown and arguably doesn't look legit but by layering in context through the uh, engagement we can actually affect activation, mm-hmm. which ultimately can then turn into segmentation, direct marketing, conversion, and tracking. And thus far, uh, with all the stuff against us, it's working. And so we're
0: excited. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you guys a question. Um, devil's advocate. Because it's <laughs> it. always fun. Because you've said it a couple of times already, and, and it, it comes up all the time. I... Where do you stand on, well, I mean, I think I know where you stand, but when we're saying that, that people do want to be marketed to, Mm -hmm. are we saying that because we're marketers or building platforms towards marketers or do people, do you, do we actually think people appreciate it? And then when there, when there's all this negativity towards all this stuff that's happening and they, and everyone comes out and the trend, the hot thing is to say, oh, my data has been breached. My data has been stolen i'm I'm committed to the fact that my my stuff is everywhere, yep, my yeah. data is everywhere. The only hope is from like my four year old at this point <laughs> that whatever comes from blockchain technology with social channels being built on blockchain, encrypted, all that stuff, maybe there's a chance for her to not have her data everywhere but still be involved yeah. online. so where maybe maybe expound on that a little bit in terms of if you if you think People actually do want to be marketed to or if they're talking kind of other other but with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with saying like I don't want to give my have my data all out there and everything because we have to have access to the data yeah to market to them
2: yeah, so I mean it's it's a kind of a two-sided question there yeah uh, one, the reason I believe people want to be marketed to is because there's a marketing industry that thrives on people buying things as a result of being marketed to. People want to buy stuff. People love stuff. It Mm -hmm. makes you feel good to buy stuff. Consumer-based economy, for sure.
1: I think on top of that, it's the convenience component. I mean, I I think that's really the driver of, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I'll be happy to sign in with Facebook and you can have all my information so I don't have to save my own username and password. Like, it's the convenience component Mm -hmm. and it's the intuitive, you know, I think these are some items that you would like. Like, you know, Express has totally got me. Like, they send me email newsletters and they know exactly what I like and I'm like, I mean, this is creepy, but I don't mind it, and so yeah. um, if you it,
0: don't mind it, then it's not—it's not creepy, right? I mean, it is creepy. It is creepy. I acknowledge <laughs> it's creepy,
1: but it, the the time savings and the convenience—I yeah. think that that is where a lot of people have that. That's where they're like, "All right, fine, fine. just off. take my information." I mean, human
2: yeah. nature is to be lazy, is mm-hmm. to do less than you have to. Um, so these technologies allow that to happen, and not as a byproduct of it. I happen to feel good as a result of the thing that I get. People just don't like what they don't want. That's the fundamental problem with historical traditional marketing. Um, if I got a Val pack and every one of those coupons was to something I wanted, I'd love the ValPak. It'd be the right. greatest thing ever, right? That's why catalogs historically were really popular because it's a concentrated effort of stuff you like. Um, but I think Paige nailed it by essentially alluding to the fact that it makes it easier to get to that what I like. Yeah. So
0: um, when I was a kid, there's no change. Cause you it. mentioned valpack like when I was a kid, I remember it coming in the mail and my mom would clip coupons and do all that stuff and mm-hmm. she would get the valpack in the mail and absolutely she went through it. There was no internet. Nope. There was no anything, Facebook and she would go through it and we'd get those things a lot of times, the mm-hmm. things that she took the coupons out for. And now Val- Valpack still exists. It's still coming in the mail Uh and it's, it's more, the people that are buying into it, it's just, it's more of the fact that it's so, it's almost too cheap to get into it, to say no to getting into it. Uh It's like another way of, of just putting yourself out there as a business and it's a no brainer in their minds. I think it's still a waste of money because I don't know how many people are still going through that. I go through it every time. Do you? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm a huge cheapskate. Uh, I, I was
1: going to say, I think there's a- Huge. <laughs> he's a unique target audience. <laughs>
2: yeah. But the truth of it is people absolutely go through it. Uh just a very audience. specific yeah. group mm-hmm. of people. Yeah, it might audience. be older. It might be more frugal. It might be just curi- curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it certainly takes effort. There's a ton of friction out of it. I have to dig it out. I have to open. It, I have to go through every one. And if there's not something I'm interested in, it, which it's more often than not these right. days, because more forward thinking brands are finding me in other avenues. Yep. You know, so if I need my garage door fixed, I know where to go. The Pack. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. If I really need it, I'd go to Google.
0: But... No. You, yeah, you go to the yellow pages that get dropped off in yeah, your door. Yeah, I'm basically
2: just looking for the buy one entree, get the second entree half off coupon. That's it local Chinese restaurant <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well okay let's let's switch up a little bit so more more on the lines of being being a startup in Phoenix mm-hmm. right because um, a lot of this is is focused on the yes PHX crowd and, mm-hmm. and startups here in the valley and um, when when AMC started when you like what what drove you to start AMC what was the foundation of it um, coming to fruition
2: yeah. So the CEO, Jeremy Gokey, he, uh, in a, in a previous life, he was part of an apparel company. Um, and they, it was still very early, you know, two thousands, kind of early mid two thousands. And they just knew that there had to be a better way to get information about people at live events. So they started tinkering with a tool originally called flip to, and it was a very Typical traditional aggregation of publicly shared social content, very rudimentary hashtag. Um, but that's when they started to experiment with hyperlocal geofencing, as that became mm. more of an accessible technology, and that was just a small feature, a part of a traditional consumer tool. And that feature continued to gain traction and interest, um, kind of over time. So, a consumer software is always hard to get off the ground, to hit critical mass in a world of software. Um, So it was realized that this feature was unique enough to stand on its own and that a market that was larger, that could get more value out of it long-term could be addressed. You know, uh, one of the earliest um, users of flip to and the earliest interested parties in Um, the hyperlocal was ACDC and KISS. Um, And they used it to geofence tours and then pool the shared content on a website. So that way fans could literally go back to the stop that they were a part of and see all the social content related to it Mm -hmm. wrapped in an ACDC or KISS or Madonna or whatever uh, landing page. So it was user-generated content for the band, and then uh, the user could also be associated to the content. So if the band found an influencer, they could directly call that out, and that's as the software continued to evolve. Um, After a little bit of a legal issue with the name of Flip2, uh, which was completely unfair and unwarranted, but sometimes (laughs) the big guy who happens to have it is going to win. So... AMC officially was born at the end of that litigation and it was for the best, a better name, flip two, is, doesn't make any sense. Um, and AMC was available. So great. Uh, so we went all in and that's about the time I actually joined AMC was right at the pivot from consumer to enterprise platform. Um, and from there we've just built out the suite as we know it. And as we continue to see it evolving.
0: And you guys are, are both pretty long time, contributors and (laughs) members longer than me um, of the yes, the yes, PHX community. How do you, from the time that kind of maybe you started in the, the area and getting into all of this to now, what do you see? What do you see that's changed? Um, Paige, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, you guys have been involved with, with all kinds of events, startup week and I mean everything. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting viewpoint I think to get from from you guys who've been there from even before the beginning, mm-hmm. really.
1: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, Mike and I first met I think it was upwards of coming up on like five years ago. Uh, when we were just, the first startup week was just like an idea. Yeah. Um, and at the time it was very, at least for me, cause I was relatively new to the, new to the space. Um, maybe the last, the previous like few years, it, it was pretty disconnected. Um, there wasn't any like mass audience that you could be like, yes, those are my people. That's yeah. where I want to go. And so it's been exciting to see the growth and sort of how people have really come together in the whole camaraderie of the community um, and building those connections that have lasted and have grown. And I mean, me and Mike working together is a great example. We met a long time ago and um, have overlapped over the years and then, you know, now working together. So um, that's a great example of, you know, the, the benefits of a community like this. And then I think at a greater scale, there's, I mean, we actually have something that needs to be sort of shaped and built and, like, just taken care of now. I mean, at the, at that point, it was just an idea. And now we actually have groups that get together to try to plan and, you know, yeah. build on this community and this foundation, which is so exciting. It's overwhelming uh, at a community <laughs> level, but it's really exciting that <laughs> yep. there is that, even if it, it comes with its challenges and, you know, it's, you know, issues that come up over time, but it's so exciting to see, you know, the consistent growth and just new people coming on and being like, Oh yeah, I guess VHX that I know that.
0: Yeah. So, and I still, I still run into people mm-hmm. a lot that, Inv- there was a uh, ASU demo days on Friday mm-hmm. and the students that were pitching, there was like 80 teams of students pitching. And I'm like, hey, I, I was wearing my YesPHX shirt, the generous one. <laughs> and I'm like, have you heard of this hashtag? And they're like, no. So I was like, I mean, and that's, I wouldn't say that's totally across the board. And and it's we are making some some inroads for sure with mm-hmm. even ASU. Um with students with with young entrepreneurs so that it's good but it's it's just funny that there we being in it we kind of see it a lot and mm-hmm. it's that vacuum mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. there's so there's still so much out there there's yeah. so many people out there that could contribute and mm-hmm. could benefit yeah. i think um so how about how about you yeah you, like, i what, what i'm a seen? huge
2: fan of greater phoenix and that's all its parts yep. right all yep. of its
0: Yes. It's not just Phoenix yeah. downtown, yeah. it's like West Valley, East Valley. Yeah,
2: I mean, it there, we're the biggest small city. I mean, I guess we're, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, we're the smallest big city. It's actually the other smallest way around, right? We're the fifth largest in yeah, the country, some of that. but it's still just a microcosm of entrepreneurship in the country. Yep. Um, I'm actually, I've been in the Phoenix entrepreneur space since '99. Um, I, yeah, again, I don't think Paige was even born <laughs> uh,
0: I hadn't moved here yet either.
2: Yeah, so I, I've seen a lot of change yeah. in that time. I mean, the internet was barely a thing then. Um, we were all still using
0: Yahoo for, yep. for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
2: Well, where I lived, there wasn't even any. Or AOL. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I was actually using uh, Net Zero. Yeah because that was the only dial-up available where <laughs> yeah. I lived. The only <laughs> high-speed internet was at work, um, which we abused so much. But, I mean... <laughs> it was high-speed internet? It was amazing. Wow. And Wi-Fi, forget about oh, no, it. Like There was none. Like, you plugged in, you ethernet. I used to drill <laughs> through walls in my house just to get that cable from room to room, because I didn't care. I needed the pipe. Yep. So, you know, the evolution has been dramatic, even though it's really hard to see. Because again, it's still a massive community yeah. as a place mm-hmm. where people live. So to make a dent in a, in a space that large, it's going to take time. Um, you know, the biggest thing about Phoenix that I love is that there's no snow days, right? <laughs> no, one's, no one's ever had to shovel sunshine. Um,
0: Coming from the East Coast, it's I a can big confirm. It's, <laughs> don't underestimate not raking leaves either because that's right up yeah. there to a point. It's like 1B, after yeah. <laughs> shoveling snow, let me tell you. Yeah, and you know, you know, for me,
2: I always have to remind myself: Phoenix or Greater Phoenix is a tourist destination first, right? People come here to get away, and we live in that, which I think is a typical issue of most people who live in that type of environment. There's nothing to do here. It's too hot. I don't <laughs> like. Right? I'm like. There's lots to do here. Otherwise, people wouldn't come here, mm-hmm. right? So the opportunity is immense. Um, but starting then and just watching the evolution, um, it was kind of bizarre for me because the first startup that I was with then, it was just around December 99, um, they were well-funded, right? This is .dot .com, yep. overfunding, opulence, right? They issued um, scooters, scooters. <laughs> and they bought our groceries and You know, we had a party every time the simplest milestone was met. Hey, Mike got to work on time today. Let's have a party, (laughs) right? So I got to experience that all the way to the top and the implosion
0: of that. And all the way to the bottom. In all fairness, you guys are, I hear you're still celebrating when you arrive on time, Mike. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He
1: he slowly saunters in.
2: it's, You don't arrive on time when you're always available. (laughs) That's right. You're always on. It's all good. Always available. You get your work done. Exactly. You don't have to clock in. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, as things have evolved, uh, communities have grown. Um, I personally, probably about 15 years ago now, I bought a house in South Scottsdale. Mm Um, right by what is now Sky Song, but it very much wasn't Sky Song then.
0: Which at the time, there was no South and North Scottsdale, right? It was more like, oh, Scottsdale. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this, oh, there's a North Scottsdale that yeah. exists. Yeah. It
2: definitely grew <laughs> north and then continued to deaden between Old Town or oh. Downtown Scottsdale because yeah. it, you know, it, that was positive or negative of the area, right? It's your chinese-made indian art and um, clubs especially around that time Mm -hmm. great evolution since then so i've seen that particular community really evolve, and the city do a lot of really good things in scottsdale brown bringing in tech bringing in more modern um, dining and shopping experiences and you know that just happens to be the area that i Planted my flag in. Sure. But, uh, and you know, I've done a lot of my personal entrepreneurial ventures in Scottsdale. But as of recently coming to downtown Phoenix, the only reason I've ever poo pooed downtown Phoenix was not because of what it's doing and what it's capable of doing. I don't like paying for parking. And that really <laughs> bothers me. you just need me. to
1: know where to park.
2: I mean, and I'm not- I think well, that's
1: really the issue here.
2: I spent a lot of time downtown <laughs> circa 2005 through 2007, mm-hmm. where um, first Fridays was still kind of the wild west. You yep. could post up yep. anywhere. The city wasn't in your business. And like, I loved the um, early nature of that. It's since evolved probably for the better or has it needs to. But you know, I'm just kind of old school, so I'm like, oh, another condo, just what we need here. Um, but the truth is, if you're going to support people, yeah,
0: I guess you do need that other condo. Yeah. Um, but I, I worked down here when I moved here. I worked for the for the uh, Republic, and I worked downtown in what's now the Republic slash Gannett slash Channel mm-hmm. Twelve building, right? And ASU wasn't down here. This was 2005. It, the Sheridan hadn't been built yet. It was just going up, and it was dead. Yeah, after. And I come from the Jacksonville area where mm-hmm. I'd for a year. Jacksonville, after like four o'clock, this the little city part of Jacksonville, downtown, <laughs> dies. Like everyone's gone. It's tumbleweeds, right? Mm-hmm. And here was similar to that after five o'clock, unless yeah. it was a Suns game night. Yeah. <laughs> or a Diamondbacks game night. Even even at that, it was more the Suns, right? So people would go to Marley's and mm-hmm. go to the game. Um but now with yeah, with not just ASU, but I mean, they were the first ones to really come in and put a campus there. But U of A, mm-hmm. with the, I mean, the the schools putting these campuses downtown, um, making it the the convention center
1: mm-hmm.
0: going up, like all these things making it a destination for downtown, and then places like Galvanize coming in the department, you know, the co working spots where it's still an element of people are coming here hanging out, and then leaving downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, it's vibrant. And the parking thing, I totally feel you. Like, there is plenty of parking. <laughs> uh, still, well, like, I
2: mean, until it's parking. <laughs> until mm-hmm. it's New York, mm.
0: don't make me. Pay yeah. Right to park right there. They, they, the <laughs> one thing I'll say That's with the parking, parking. <laughs> they they created a, once they added in the ability to at least use a credit card or, or a debit card yeah. into the, the machines. And then, uh, I don't know the name of the app. It might just be Park Mobile mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I just found that the other day. So now I have the app. It tells me how much more time I have left on the app. And I don't have to worry about getting it. T- I got a $72 ticket.
1: Oh, man, at, that's brutal. I missed
0: someone for coffee at Cartel. And I guess the reason I took it because I was a little bit late getting back. Um, I ended up not having to pay it because the, the meter person retired. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it to the court date, and they didn't show because they retired. Um, so, you know. You won that round. I won. I, small win, small win.
2: No, I think it's great either way. But, yeah. Everything that Greater Phoenix is doing, I have huge uh, hope for it. I continue to stay optimistic. I haven't left. I've had plenty of opportunities to leave the valley, and I've chosen not to. Um, I think it's all in all a really fantastic city. Um, as the ESPHX thing has evolved, mm-hmm. um, you know anything that is not driven by a singular vision and force is going to have its pains, mm-hmm. but also have the ability to evolve well beyond Any single vision could, you know, obviously cities are limited by that, companies are limited by that. So even though ESPHX is not as large as potentially it could be, or people aren't as aware of it as they could be, um, there's only only one way for it to go, and that's to grow. Right. As long as people stay true to what it is, you know, it's not an organization. No one owns it, and no one should be trying to own it. Um, I think if someone does choose to do that, the organization, very similarly to kind of how my wife's committee is, they're going to rebel against it because it's in direct opposition to that traditional thinking. Um, My only gripe with people who are pro ESPHX is that I'm tired of hearing your ideas. I want to see your ideas um, because I know they can. There's a lot of fear. Like I can't because I'm not in this big city or there's no one like that's ridiculous. Just take a shot and it might fail. And it probably will, but who cares? Give it a shot because you can't fail at everything. I know I've tried and it just, it just doesn't happen. Um, because even if your ideas fail, the relationships you make will never fail. You know, I have worked again for the last 20 years in the space and I've reworked with many of the same people. I go out of my way to bring uh, my network with me where I go. Right. And I know vice versa, they would do the same for me in that instance. right? So I think that's really the core, uh, in my opinion, of what yes, PHX should be. Mm-hmm. It's about the relationships and then what can come from that relationship. So I don't want to hear about your idea again. I'm not going to sign an NDA because I'm not going to steal your idea. It's probably stupid. And, but I don't know as fact. So, Tough love, so, right. so, so, per, so, like. so hey, me it
0: needs to be heard sometimes. Needs yeah. To be said. Just,
2: just take the shot, make your relationships and you know, I wish you the best. Um, and I'll absolutely help anyone serious. Cause that would be again, one of, maybe one of the other secondary gripes is that I've offered support mm-hmm. And then the person doesn't take you up on it. You know, especially ASU students or college students in general, they tend to get very bogged down in the college life and they won't leave the campus or they won't go outside of the perfect entrepreneurial bubble that is college, which you can do the best you can in a controlled environment. But anyone who's done anything remotely entrepreneurial, there's nothing controlled about it. Um, I found that college is typically a great place to learn what not to do, not so much what to do, because you don't know. Anything can happen.
0: Yeah, I I'll say that I think that like with my experience with ASU to this point, which has been not a ton, but a little bit, they're they're at least they're trying. Mm-hmm. They're trying to provide these resources for the students that are serious about it, or at least at least be exposed. Like get this experience of, um, here's here's an example. Last Friday was ASU demo days, right? And there was one student I, I talked to a bunch at that day. Um, one of them was uh, oh, and for demo for those of you that are not familiar, demo days is for better or worse, it's kind of like a Shark Tank mm-hmm. pitch environment. Um, they have all these rooms and there's judges, and you go and you pitch your idea. One of the students, um. He came down and I was like, oh man, you know how to go with how they receive you. And he was like, oh, I got killed in there. I got killed. <laughs> I was like, "Good," you know, what happened? I was laughing. I'm like, he was smiling too. And, and I was like, well, why? What, what happened? And and he was he was saying how they killed his idea. They were asking him all these questions about like future, how it's going to scale and grow. And, <laughs> and, and, and I can't explain the idea. But he was laughing because he knew he was going into it with the idea that it was just an idea. It wasn't, there was nothing built. There was this thing where he was, part of it was to, to. Per, he had to purchase um, things on wholesale and and they were questioning it. Well, that's gonna cut into your overhead, your expenses, all this stuff. And he hadn't thought that far ahead yet, but yeah. he knew it. Uh-huh. So he was going in with, I just want to experience pitching in front of a couple people that know what they're talking about, you know, that uh-huh. are judging me in that sense. Um, and he was like, you know, I came out of it. I Now I have all these questions I need to answer if I want to keep going with this. And I will. You know, so it's I think that type of thing, and there's a couple other events that do this on a monthly basis too, where just even that experience, that small experience in a small room with a couple people, you throw your idea out there and let it get crushed. And you learn, you learn way more. I mean, we always say this, right? You learn way more from getting crushed or from failing at something yeah. um than you will everyone telling you, oh, that's a great idea.
2: Yeah. No, I love hearing that. I mean, it's it warms my heart to hear somebody's gonna take a risk even though they're underprepared. Yeah. I love being underprepared. Why not? Know, it's like just
0: <laughs> what's the worst that's gonna happen, <laughs> right? Nothing. They're just gonna tell they're basically giving you, gonna what give you, you know. free information, <laughs> yeah. free constructive whether it's presented that way is a different story. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Constructive criticism is to how you need what you need to do to build it and make it Potentially successful.
2: Yeah, I think the colleges are doing a wonderful job locally. You know, they're doing the best they can within their constraints as an organization. Um, So I just want to always, I always hope that anyone, student, adult, or otherwise, there's a million options to learn. Um, There's millions of people who want to share what they've learned, but you have to respect them and their requirements of that
1: well one thing i was going to say is i actually i went to asu and i went to the cronkite school the first year it was downtown so i was right at the onset of that um but I, I never did the whole entrepreneurial like classes or anything like that but one thing i will say is the cronkite school was all about action it wasn't like it was much less about the study as it was like they just threw you in Doing, And yeah, yeah do it go try this like um, every semester it was an internship or some sort of like, you know, you hit the ground running. And I definitely think that that helped me to be able to get into the professional world, ready to actually be okay with trying and failing and just like continuing to go as opposed to some of the students that I see coming out who are like, okay, I learned now someone hire me. Right. Um, yeah. and it's such a frustrating it's such a frustrating attitude to see. And I don't, I, and it's great to see, you know, we have these different opportunities for kids to at least be aware of entrepreneur, like the entrepreneurial world and stuff. But um, yeah, it's, we need more of that action oriented education as opposed to just like textbook experience.
0: Oh, for sure. And that that's, mm-hmm. that's not even, that's not a new concept either. Like yeah. that's when I was in college, I learned whatever. But then once I did internships, yeah. which Oh, everyone said, has said that for decades, right? Like yeah. it's doing. You have to go in and do it. You can learn all the stuff in school, but then you get into a company or doing your own thing. And that's where you're going to, the true learning is uh-huh. going to come from the, the failing and yeah. succeeding and all that. So, yeah, I
2: actually don't even
0: like the idea of internships.
2: What they've become is really nothing more than a gopher. And you're only going to learn if you go outside.
1: It I think Again, it it's not an opportunity.
2: I think what I'm basically what I appreciate more yeah. is the idea of apprenticeship and that's a you know you want to be a blacksmith you're going to have to work as a blacksmith for a long time to get even remotely good right. on the professional level mm-hmm. and an internship is kind of like sometimes more often than not is not that it's you're cutting you know Paige is clearly not on board with this <laughs> she, so let me just finish my thought here <laughs> she's about to rebut this, which is totally fine because maybe she had a wonderful internship and she learned something tangible. I just know that I've seen many interns sure. do very little sure. and get very little yeah. out of it. And then that intern is interrupting a person who needs to be doing something. And they're probably not even doing a good job teaching the person what they need to because mm-hmm. they feel obligated to keep them busy and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my just general gripe with it traditionally, which is just an extension of college extension of more of what college credit. Yeah. And often mm-hmm. it's used I mean, as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so i am just, I've just always been a big fan speaking specifically back to pages <laughs> point, like just throw them in the deep end mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to drown and that's fine. Um, they're going to have to figure out how to get up. Otherwise they're just not going to make it whatever yep. it is they do.
1: I mean, yeah, I think part of it is on the person and Absolutely. what they t- what they make of it. And yeah, sometimes there are those that just bring in like 10 sophomores just to crank out some busy work. But yeah, I mean, my last internship turned into, um, you know, what you could call my first real job, which led me into starting my own consulting. So for me, and I met like one of my best friends and one of my mentors. And so like, and fr- frankly, it was a startup and they were in complete chaos. And so because of that, they didn't really have enough to provide like any support to provide me. So yeah. I just had to learn. Well, let's just be fair,
2: Paige. You're special. <laughs> you're a diamond in the rough. And that's why you're, so you're you're someone I consider important oh. to my network.
1: Oh, thank you, Mike. Yeah. So sweet of you.
2: But yeah. otherwise, the rest of like the one of compliment people.
1: I'll get for about 10 you yeah. know, like insults or something. You could have done better.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make you better. Exactly. <laughs> I would say, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of oh gosh, someone's one foot in, one foot out. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) No, company and the person because, and so my experience was, um, I did a TV and a radio internship each for like a year, right? Specifically, that they were both great, and that was when I wanted to get into TV and radio, like do work at ESPN and all this stuff. The TV one, they for whatever reason felt okay with and I was okay with it for sure. I felt okay with sending me to the games to interview the players. Uh, I worked in the sports department. Mm-hmm. So they would say, yeah, go to the football, go to the, the Patriots game, go to the Celtics game and interview the players in the locker room. Like they didn't give me sets of questions. They was just like, go sit in the, in the press conference, go in the locker room, talk to the players after these games. And I guess, I don't know if I had shown them enough that I knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. but, 20 years old go in there talk That's to amazing. these guys like Love it. you know yeah. and i took advantage of it i was like oh yeah and i, I think i was good at it and it came back and, and then they would let me edit the piece mm-hmm. that then went on the air that night so it was like i took advantage of the opportunity they were giving to me yeah. um if they weren't willing to give it to me then I wouldn't have been able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't kind of headstrong enough or ambitious enough to take advantage of what they were offering, mm-hmm. then they yeah. wouldn't have gotten anything worthwhile. So that's why I'm saying it's like, it has to be a a, a both, like both sides totally of the agree. coin. Totally yeah. agree. Okay,
2: all right, you nailed it. <laughs> it that was
1: a great example. Yeah. It's <laughs>
2: great. I'm on one extreme, she's on the other. <laughs> and I think I think it's a fair, a fair assessment. It, that's my
0: job in this situation. It is yeah? definitely
2: on the person. Um, you got to be willing to do it even if it's not in front of you
0: and just make the most of it totally well i think we've made the most of this podcast you guys i feel pretty good about it yeah yeah (laughs) this was great this was great thank you for for coming on the the show thank you for
1: coming downtown and meeting
0: with us oh i love coming downtown yeah, except, as for as except for Aside the parking Except for the parking Except the app now is cool <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael Alonzo Paige Susie Of Ampsey You guys Thanks so much Roz thanks for running The, the board for us here Just it over um, there And uh, <laughs> Part of it <laughs> <laughs> We'll uh, We'll leave it at that Thanks for listening to YesPHX Presents And uh, keeping an ear out For the next Next few episodes Coming up